Welcome to Tony D Talks from Forbes Books. Designing the blueprint for business success with Tony DeSilvestro. My guest this week is my old friend, David Meltzer. David is an absolute legend in the world of sports marketing. He's also an international best-selling author, TV producer, and entrepreneur who's on a mission to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. David, welcome to the podcast. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It's uh, so rare that not only do you have an extraordinary platform to talk on, but an extraordinary person on that platform that you are at the same frequency with. And so uh, made my day seeing this on my calendar. Oh, awesome. And I know like you talk about frequencies and vibrations, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I think uh, the people listening to this are going to get a lot from that as well. David, I've only known you probably, I guess, I guess about six, eight months now. But it was like we had that connection from the first time I met you. I just felt the, I don't know what you want to call it, a vibration or whatever we call it. But does that happen often to you in life? You know, it's interesting. I am well aware of frequency, vibration, coincidence. Um, and so I think it happens to me the same amount that it happens to everyone else, except for I have practiced an awareness of those things, people, places, things, events, circumstances, coincidences that are at my frequency that are in my neighborhood. And so the way that I look at it is that everyone is surrounded by uh, these types of coincidences or connections, but they're not aware of it. And the reason they're not aware of it is that it takes practice, right? Like anything else, consider it like going to the range. I swing, you know, my irons in my woods every single day when it comes to awareness and frequency. That's great. Like, you know, like everybody thinks I'm this crazy outgoing person. I love being on stage. I love coaching. But sometimes when I get in a setting, I'm a little more cautious. But then like you see that person from across the room and and it's it's crazy. I'm like lured to them. And and the thing is, it's like it's a lonely world sometimes being an entrepreneur. But when I find somebody like that, I find my people and it's it's hard to explain. How could you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So what happens is we can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. And so when we get to a situation that maybe someone uh, has a lower frequency, it's quite easy to see if that frequency is bleeding us or feeding us. I think the more difficult uh, resonation or the most difficult awareness is when we get around someone that maybe even has a higher frequency than us. So they have a greater awareness of how we can connect and yet in order to improve or accelerate our own frequency, we have to be extroverted and be able to distinguish between someone bleeding us at a lower vibration and someone that's just not quite at our vibration that has something to offer that can feed us. And so I actually have reached a level of awareness that when I meet someone like you that immediately is feeding me and that is at an elevated vibration even from myself, then I'm not where I used to be felt separate from. So, you know, let's just take, for example, my previous profession. I ran the most notable sports agency in the world. When I first got around the Joe Montanas, the Steve Youngs, the Warren Moons of the world, I felt a separation. I felt a interference between me and what they were, even though I should have known that those are the type of people I want to surround myself with. And I should have opened myself up easier and more often to being fed by them. 
I kind of separated and I took my time where when I get to someone that's closer to my frequency, either higher or lower, there's this immediate connection and ease. For example, when I sat down at the table next to you, I you smiled at me and I knew that we were in the same frequency, the same <laughs> neighborhood, but you have been around you know, these people. And now that I've been able to work with them for so long, I open myself up to not only uh, people who are on my frequency, but those who have higher and distinguish between people that are going to bleed you, drain you with their interference and negative energy. And you could pick up on that really quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing that resonates with me, like you allow them to feed you. Uh, sometimes in life when we're cautious around some people where we don't engage in that conversation when you're in a room and you have to network or just get to know people, sometimes you don't allow those people and, and you lose opportunities. Yeah, and in a pragmatic sense, it could be as simple as asking for someone's cell phone. I can't right. tell you how many times because of my profession, I've been around people who wanted to feed me, offered to feed me, but I felt separate from either superior or inferior. And I was too embarrassed to ask either for a phone number, an email, or even for help. Amazing. The opportunity is right around the corner and you don't even realize it. But so my, my question to that, though, is like, you know, as we grow in business and the more successful you become, my 94-year-old my father-in-law says, be careful of the sharks. So how do you really determine who's a shark? Like, cause it's really interesting. Like for entrepreneurs out there, as you become more successful, you're out in the public's eye. There's so many people coming at you, whether, you know, for business deals or what they're doing. So how have you been able to get that away from you? That's a great question. And, you know, for me, I have a practice called trust and vet. And so for me, I vet everyone immediately for an open mind because I don't want to waste my time with a closed mind even though I believe everyone has an open mind at some time. Some people have open minds more than other people and we need to make sure that we engage with people with an open mind because they have open hearts and open hands. And so for me the first thing that I'm vetting is to be around people with open minds. Then I'm vetting for the credibility and emotional, the energy and emotion that is aligned with where I want to be, uh, the trajectory that I think I want. So understanding what I want, I know that in order to accelerate to where I want, I need to find people that are in a situation where I want to be so they can give me directions or they need to be with an open mind, someone that I can help put to where they want to be, meaning that not the acceleration, but the statistical success occurs not only from asking people for help, people who sit in a situation I want to be in to give me directions to get there, but also helping people get to where they want to be gives me statistical success because everyone that you help becomes a part of your community. And a community of sponsors and power sponsors, people that can help you and people that know people can help you will only aggregate and accelerate and compound in a statistical success. So when you're combining every day statistical success with acceleration by trusting everyone, but vetting number one for an open mind, but then vetting for credibility 
and emotional connection, when you go through that process and get in the practice of doing so, you're going to surround yourself with the right people and the right ideas, meaning sponsors and power sponsors, and that community is gonna grow, aggregate, compound on itself, so that not only will you have such opportunities, options, and touches of favor with statistical success, you also will have acceleration because those people not only need help, but will be helping you as well. Wow, and and from my mouth to yours, I, I can tell you just from the few times I've been with you and, and been blessed to be in your presence, you're such a grateful person. I mean, no matter what, like you see yourself, you know, you're surrounding yourself at dinner the other night when we were together, you know, with a huge group of people and you were so grateful, but everybody in that place loved being there and loved being with you. And it's just a factor of what you do for others. I mean, for me, you know, I felt it from day one and you've been so grateful. I, I can only be blessed to be where you are in life and I'm on my path. I'm trying to get there and you've been such a, a help to me already. So just a little time we've known each other. But I have a Thank question you. about entrepreneurship for you. You know, entrepreneurship, we both coach entrepreneurs and we both have a passion to help entrepreneurs win every day. What has driven you to that? I know you, we've had some losses and we can talk a little bit about that. But what drives you every day to help that entrepreneur? Well, you know, number one, understanding that it's half of where I want to be. Helping others get to where they want to be gives me the statistical success to get to where I want to be. So my main interest and passion is for entrepreneurship because my mission is to help people make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I believe entrepreneurs are going to save the world. I believe that they have the greatest capacity to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And so for me, every entrepreneur that I help helps me as well in in my mission to empower others to empower others, who better to focus in on than the entrepreneur? Those people that have a desire that they must be what they can be, those people who have a capability of enjoying the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of their potential. And so because of my eclectic entrepreneurial background, which is very symbiotic and synergistic with yours, I think you would agree that if my mission was to empower the world to be happy, to empower over a billion people to be happy, who else would I start with other than entrepreneurs, the people who have the best capacity to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, which are the key ingredients to being happy. There's no doubt. And for me, like watching that entrepreneur, the second I help one, and I don't, to me, if I speak in front of a thousand people, if I could help one entrepreneur win and not lose their business, I mean, that's what really drives me every single day. So, and you, you take these entrepreneurs and, you know, they get in, they're technicians when they start their business, they're great at what they do. But the problem is nobody's mentoring them. Nobody's helping them. And I think that's what's driven me to really want to be out there and be, you know, have empathy for these people to be successful. And I don't feel sorry for them, but I want to help them. I want to help them win because when they win, there's nothing like it as an entrepreneur controlling your destiny. My three daughters are all entrepreneurs. And like I told them when they were babies, I said, I want to help you control your own destiny. If they have the ability to do that. But heck, I'm, I've been there right by their side. I agree. And I do the same for my children with the same desire. Dave, tell me about failures and, and what is your opinion on failures as far as entrepreneurship and failing in entrepreneurship? Look, failing, the L stands for lessons. And I believe that life is about lessons and the lessons keep on coming. And so the failures, mistakes and setbacks that occur in anyone's journey to improve 
is a lesson not only in what not to do next time, how to improve ourselves, but it also has a deeper lesson uh, which will impact everyone's lives. And that is it takes away the limitation of the past. Uh, so the failure, the mistakes, the setbacks allow us to give a new meaning to our past. You see, the only limitation of the past is the meaning in which we give the defined moments or inflection points of the past. And so if we can get into a practice of failing, of learning, of setbacks, mistakes, and then taking it as protection and promotion by giving it a meaning that's in the trajectory of what we think we want in the future, we now completely inversely uh, have value to what most people see as punishment. When we can shift the paradigm in our lives by failing, by understanding that failure itself is an indicator that we have a lesson to learn, that failure by itself is a promotion and protection with an opportunity to learn that lesson, to get bigger, to get brighter, to get more successful uh, with a new meaning of the inflection points or defined moments that are created by those failures. And so for me, it's not even uh, getting used to failing or overcoming objections or whatever else people may perceive or participate in that perception. To me, it's a necessity. It's a necessity to grow, to expand and accelerate. And that necessity of being able to shift your paradigm to protection and promotion of the lessons that are created from the pain, the setbacks, the failures and mistakes that are omnipresent in entrepreneurship because nobody tries to achieve or pursue their potential like entrepreneurs. So no one's going to have as many indicators. In other words, no one's going to have as many pains, failures and setbacks as an entrepreneur in any other type of journey in the professional realm. There's no doubt. And like failures for me, like some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in life. But what I love what you say there, Dave, is that failure equals learning, right? And I don't think people look at it that way. And I know entrepreneurs do. If you're a true entrepreneur, when we fail, I get back up the next day and say, what did I learn from that? And how am I going to be better tomorrow? As an entrepreneur, I lean forward every single day. I always tease. I say, I don't have a rear view mirror in my car because I never look backwards. But it's not the fact that I don't learn from my failures and my, the day of previous day, but how am I getting better today? No doubt, and I think there's a nuance that I learn, a subtlety to what you're saying. And uh, this uh, idea has really not only helped me, but so many different entrepreneurs. There's a participation in the failure. There's a participation when we have those lessons in the pain, setbacks, and mistakes. And so I love to ask myself, uh, even beyond the law of attraction, where a lot of people say, what did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? I think there's too many hints of punishment about attraction. So I love the word participation, which has a wholeness to it that says, what did I do to participate in this perception, in this lesson? And what am I supposed to learn from it? When you see yourself as a participant with no blame, shame, or justification, you already set forth in a more positive direction, a lesson of coherence incorporated in a participation instead of some sort of attraction or even worse punishment. That's amazing. I love it. I, I couldn't agree more on failure. Like I said, I think everybody, if you're a brand new entrepreneur out there, you have to understand that failure is 
inevitable to a certain extent as an entrepreneur. But let me ask you a question. So mentoring, like what is the importance of having a mentor or a coach? It's probably, if anybody asks me, I don't regret a day I've lived, Dave, but the thing that I, I do regret is not having a mentor or a coach early enough in my career. I think I would have probably had a little bit softer landing on a couple of my failures, but what would you <laughs> recommend there? Well, you and I are talking about frequency and talk about from the minute we met, we were brothers from another mother. For sure. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, my biggest mistake is I didn't ask for help, right? right. Exactly. And it cost me over a hundred million dollars, over a hundred million dollars wow. it cost me because I didn't have what I call radical humility. I didn't have the truth that. that I don't know what I don't know. And I had what was called ignorant arrogance, not ignorant humility. Ignorant arrogance is the fact that you and I both know and we both knew when we did not ask for help, did not find mentorship, coaching or teaching, we both knew we didn't know what we didn't know, but we were so afraid and scared and arrogant about our ignorance that we pretended like we did. And we projected our expertise and mastery of business until we ended up losing everything. Uh, but more importantly, I think the first step of asking for help is to understand the three types of mentorship or coaching or teaching. And the number one is, you know, always picking someone who sits in a situation that we want to be in. That's a mentor, right? Someone that can give us directions to where they are. And then we can make our own subtle choices and customize it and personalize it. So a mentor is someone that actually is where we want to be and can just give us directions. That's what makes you such a great mentor because of the successes, failures, lessons, mistakes that you've had in your life. And you could tell people to avoid this speed bump and here's the fastest way to get to where we were. Here's the best bank to use, the best financing, et cetera. Right. But it's interesting because sometimes we need a coach uh, and, and some people can do all three of these things, but sometimes we need a coach. Think about Tiger Woods. I, I've never seen a greater golfer uh, than Tiger Woods. But believe it or not, Tiger Woods has a coach. Sure. And his coach is someone who brings the best out of Tiger Woods. He doesn't know golf better than Tiger Woods. He doesn't know the course better than Tiger Woods. His coach brings the best out of Tiger Woods. When he doesn't want to go practice, the coach gets him to go practice. When he has a little bit of a, a hitch in his swing, the coach brings the best out of him and changes the swing. So we have to have not only mentors, but we have to have people that will bring the best out of us, accountability partners, and all of these different nuances that you and I also are coaches and mentors. And then I find for my personality, and you may find this to be true about yours since we're so similar, the most challenging thing for me, I can mentor people because I've had such great lessons. I can coach people because I can understand the emotional inspiration and motivational factors to bring the best out of people and the techniques to do so, pragmatic techniques. But teaching people, right? I, I don't necessarily always have the patience to teach or the capability to be able to continually, consistently, repetitiously explain certain things that I may just assume that everybody knows, or I just don't know how to teach it. And so I think it's important not only to understand the distinction between ignorant arrogance and ignorant humility by knowing that we don't know what we don't know, but admitting it to others. But even furthermore, when we seek help, Make sure you know what type of help. Do you need mentorship, coaching, or teaching? I, you know, I, I, I don't think I've ever really heard it put into three different categories, but 
the thing is like, you know, when I get online sometimes and I hear people saying they're coaches, I'm like, and then they, they get asked a difficult question and they can't answer it. I'm like, it, it kind of frustrates me a little bit, but what they're looking for is there's a lot of like CEO coaches and stuff like that, where I, I definitely am a mentor. I've been in the dirt. I've founded many, many companies like you have. And, but the teaching piece is something that I have a passion for, but what's kind of crazy as you get older in business, the teaching things get becomes daunting after a while. Like, God, I've said the same <laughs> thing over and over again. But I, you know, when you mentor a, an entrepreneur or a CEO, and then you start coaching them through, like they start talking to you about things that's happening in their personal lives. Now you're becoming a coach and you're there for a shoulder and, and then, but you're able to mentor them in their business as well. The, the reward is, is so amazing. And, and I know you, you speak so elegantly and, and like, sometimes I look at, I watch you speak sometimes, Dave, and you just, it's like things just, they flow for you so easily. Is that just experience or what is, what, have you always had that gift? Well, I was born with a genetic and energetic capability of being eloquent. So since a young age, I was able to utilize my communications, especially with my uh, speaking, in order to sound intelligent, incredible, at least at the very beginning. Um, but I practice it. So, you know, just like Tony Gwynn, probably was energetically and genetically born with extreme uh, hand-eye coordination or LeBron James with his capabilities. Um, those are two of the most consistent working athletes I've ever met. And there's no accident that they are close to their potential that they were gifted with the genetic and energetic inheritance. And so um, I think it's a combination of, yes, I was born at a higher level of capability than most people with this ability to, to communicate, but if I didn't do it every day and practice it every day and watch myself in a mirror when they didn't have voice recordings and then listen to myself when they did and then video myself with eight millimeters and VHS cameras and then on <laughs> and on and on. Yeah, I know, but it's true. I, but I want people to know, right, that sure. it doesn't happen overnight. And even if you're good at something, you know, good to great occurs through you know, every single day enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. And I think there's an advantage to finding where you have an energetic and genetic inheritance that allows you to have a higher potential and, by the way, a higher basement. Because remember, your skills and knowledge determine your basement. Sure. It's your, your desire that determines your potential. So you might as well maximize both uh, by finding something that you have a genetic or energetic inheritance for. That's awesome, man. So, like, I grew, I grew up on in Jersey, so I have that passion as a kid. I, it's built in you. When you're from New Jersey, it just it, <laughs> it just happens. For me, the, you know, growing up in an entrepreneurial family on the Jersey Shore was eight, like four months of hurry and eight months of worry. So, like, for me, I was fortunate to grow up. I was blessed to grow up in that town in the Jersey Shore. It gave me a huge advantage in life. I learned the value of a customer at such a young age and the value of a dollar. And, you know, it really gave me a huge event. People ask me all the time, why are you so successful? And how did you become successful so young? Not that I'm young anymore, but they, they're saying, I'm like, well, I grew up at a young kid and had a great opportunity. Unfortunately, not every kid has that. So if you don't have that opportunity, you know, it's like people say, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. These young kids, I'm like, get out there and work, find a job that you love to do, and then talk about becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I think one advantage that these kids have today is there's this real opportunity to be an entrepreneur at first uh, because we still have now, especially 
uh, an opportunity to have freedoms that you and I would never have working for a company. There's equity opportunities that never existed for a company. There's also technology that exists that allows us to have so much more entrepreneurial experiences within the security of getting maybe a salary and a comp plan and benefits. You know, healthcare alone uh, is a huge concern for entrepreneurs. And when you're starting off, to be able to have the stability of a salary, bonuses, benefits, including health, and still have the freedom of working when you want, where you want, and have sometimes unlimited capability of what you can make and equity. You know, I'm a big fan of starting off with that mentorship, coaching, and teaching that exists within big companies and being able to crawl before you walk, before you run when we're talking about entrepreneurship within the context of a big company. Absolutely. And I want to take a deeper dive into that, but we have to stop here. Coming up in the second part of our conversation with David Meltzer, the phenomenal speaker, author, and entrepreneur. We'll talk more about intrapreneurs, plus David shares some advice for connecting with millennials and Generation Z. I think when we meet people where they're at and their perspectives and that participation in the perspective of trying to understand, it's not just about finding your why, it's about applying it. This has been Tony D Talks. If you'd like to scale your business for growth, Contact Tony at TonyDSilvestro.com. Tony D Talks is a production of Forbes Books.